Well, good morning once again, Connection Point Church. Good morning. Thank you guys so much for being here today. And for those who are joining us online, we just want to say welcome once again. Thanks for taking the time to be with us today. You know, as I was trying to fit into some clothes for the celebration of life service yesterday, had to make some um, visits to the store. I guess it was Friday, maybe. It's like, man, I don't think I have like a suit I can fit into. We may not have a lot in common, but I think all of us have this in common right now. Over these last couple of months, we've all equally, I think, been just blessed in our ability to put on additional pounds. Yeah. (laughs) The the COVID-25, it's definitely been the COVID-20 for me, for sure. Um, I've not stepped back on the scale in a little bit, so I may be at the 25 mark now as well. Man, I got to get moving. I don't know about y'all, but it's so hot outside. It's hard to go outside and move, and you can't go into a gym. They're not open, not that I would anyhow. My my gym memberships have always been just something I paid for, not something that I actually have have used. You know, it's just you sign up, and automatically, whether you come or not, they're charging you. So I gotta I gotta do something though. I gotta get moving because um, I'm running out of clothes to to fit into, and Rachel won't let me buy anymore. So, listen, today marks week number four in our study in the book of Jude, and in our study we've talked about how how Jude was written um, to to a group of Christians where where Jude saw that there was these false teachers who had crept in, and, and he w- wrote it as a warning of these false teachers. And last week we looked at verses five through seven and, and talked about um, how unbelief can be a trap of the enemy. And if you missed any of these uh, messages on Jude, I want to suggest that you go back and, and catch up. We're walking through it one verse at a time. Today we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 10. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me there if you would. And as you're doing that, I just want to kind of share a couple of things with you. The, throughout the history of the church, there's been this pendulum that would swing. It would swing from this place of legalism to this place of, of freedom, and then it would go back again. Uh, there's always been this, this tension, though, right? There's been this tension between, between grace and freedom and, and, and what that means to have, to have freedom. And because of this tension, there, there really seems to, to always be a place for false teachers to, to slide in and, cast, and, and basically say, cast off all responsibility for grace covers it all. Now, they usually don't come right out and say that. That would be easy to spot, right? But that's, but that's where it ends up. And when you begin to take away or add to anything from the Word of God, from the teachings of Christ, you end up with a gospel that's different than what Jesus taught, which is why Jude, in his letter, says, says this in verse number three. He said, I found it necessary to write to you so that you would contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. There is but one message, and that is Jesus is the way. Anything other than Jesus is a false gospel. Today, people, people will say things like, it's not very nice to say Christianity is the only way. But can I tell you, it's even less nice 
to allow people to follow a false religion that will send them straight to hell. People will tell you, well, I'm just not very religious. I'm, I'm spiritual, right? You've heard people say similar things. What they really probably should be saying is, I'm ungodly, right? This doesn't happen just outside of the church, though. It happens within the church. We'll see Christians who are up and down in, in church attendance. And I'm not talking about those who during this pandemic are staying at home and, and, and watching online. I'm talking about how people will cast off the word of God, the, the word of God that says, do not forsake the assembling. And, and they'll just say, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You've never heard anyone say that, have you? I can be a Christian over here by myself and not bothered by anyone. Again, this is a false teaching. You can't be a, Christ, a practicing Christian in a bubble off by yourself. H- how, how are you following the Great Commission if, you, if you're over here all alone? How, how is it that you're going into all the world making disciples if you say, I'm just going to be a Christian over here by myself? How are you following Christ's example if you've made an island unto yourself? In the world today, there seems to be this rejection of all things that require submission. I no longer have to go to church. I no longer have to tithe. That was an Old Testament law, even though tithing predates the law. And even though Jesus, when questioned about it, said, this you ought to have done. See, I I think today we're in one of those pendulum swings where we have... We have come to this place where we have said, grace covers all so I can do what I want, wherever I want. It shows up in what people watch, what they listen to, what they do. Drugs and alcohol, no longer a problem. What we say doesn't really matter. It's okay to delve into pornography and and walk down a path of sexual immorality. In case you're catching just part of this, I'm not saying all of these things are okay. So please don't take me out of context, which is what we do with the Bible often, isn't it? See, those are false teachings. The Word of God says, be holy, for I am holy. But that's not the, the, the message the flesh, the flesh wants to hear. The flesh wants to do what the flesh wants. So because of this teachings come in that justify wrong actions. These things that I mentioned today are some of the same things that were going on within that first century church. And Jude writes this letter as a warning to that first century church, but this warning is just as applicable to us. In verse 4, Jude says, these false teachers are turning the grace of God into sensuality or lewdness. And they're denying Christ. And in our passage we're going to look at today, we're going to see Jude give us three things not to do if we're really going to contend for this faith. Jude 8 says this, Likewise, all these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael the archangel is contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. 
but these speak evil whatever they do not know and whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts, in these things they corrupt themselves. Now, in verse 8, Jude says likewise. He opens that, that sentence with likewise, and he's connecting it to what he had just said in verse 7 when he was speaking of sexual immorality, the sexual immorality of Sodom and Gomorrah. These false teachers were leading the people down a path of destruction that would end the same way those two cities ended. They had allowed their, their own ideas to supersede the teachings of Christ. And they claimed this new revelation, which is why Jude says there is but one faith delivered once for all. And Jude refers to these false teachers as dreamers. Now listen, he's not saying dreaming is bad. I mean, the word of God says God will give vision and he will give dreams, right? But what they are doing is dreaming up their own things. They're coming up with their own ideas. These, these teachers were claiming some new divine revelation. Whenever a teacher goes down a path of new revelation and says, God told me this or God told me that, at that moment, our discernment should come up and our Bibles should come out. Just because someone says, thus saith the Lord, or just because someone uh, says, the Lord told me this, that doesn't make it truth. Typically, when someone says, the Lord gave me a new revelation and it goes against Scripture, what they're really doing is looking for a way to justify their current ungodly behavior, and they're wanting someone to agree with them. What they're really doing is what Jude points out in verse number 8, where he says, Likewise, all these dreamers, they defile the flesh, they reject authority, and they speak evil of dignitaries. He's warning the first century church, and that same warning applies today. He's simply saying this, don't walk in rebellion. Don't walk in rebellion. You need to understand, if you're living an immoral lifestyle, it's birthed out of rebellious spirit. You can't simply accept Christ as Savior and then reject his lordship over your life. We see this played out in the you do you boo, the you do you boo <laughs> culture today, right? What, what, what are they saying? It's do whatever makes you feel good. You do, you do whatever you want to do. You can't tell me what to do. When we do this, we are making ourselves God and walking in rebellion to him. Because nowhere in the Bible does it say, you do what you want to do. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. We can't reject his authority in our life. Nor can we reject authority in general. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 13. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Does that mean when it's only the person I vote for? There is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority, resists the ordinances of God, 
and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Look around the world today. Every night, every night we see people standing in stark opposition to authority. I'm not talking about peaceful protests. I'm talking about people rejecting authority and causing chaos. The Bible says, let everyone be subject to governing authorities, that they are appointed by God, and that those who, are, who resist are resisting God. When we walk in rebellion, we, we are rejecting God's authority. And Jude says, people who reject authority are following a false teaching, and they are headed for destruction. The Amplified says that verse this way, are in Jude, Jude 8. Nevertheless, in like manner, these dreamers are also corrupt the body, scorn and reject authority and government, revile and libel and scoff at heavenly glories, the glorious ones, the glorious ones. These false teachers reject God's authority, and then they write lies about and make fun of angels. Whatever I want, however I want, became the guiding principle of these false teachers. And Jude is warning this is a way of destruction. Jude is clear. Do not walk in rebellion. It will lead you straight to hell. Look at what he says in verse 9. Yet Michael, the archangel, is contending with the devil when he disputed about the, the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. What in the world is that all about? Now, we're not going to go down this path so much that we um, miss what Jude is talking about here, the message that he's trying to convey. Evidently, we have Michael and Satan, and they're arguing about God burying Moses. Now, you're not going to find this story anywhere in Scripture. This story is believed to be from a book that is outside of the Bible. It's believed to, most scholars believe it to be from a book called The Assumption of Moses. There's no way for us to really know this or not because that book has not, um, has not survived. So with, with the context we have, our best guess is Satan is challenging uh, Moses' right to be buried by God. Again, we don't, we don't really know exactly what the dispute is because the account that's being told is being told from a non-biblical text that we no longer have access to. Later in Jude, we'll see in verse 14, um, Jude refer to the, the book of Enoch. Because of these non-biblical references, Jude was not actually originally included within the Bible. It was, it was later that it was added. But you need to realize there are other examples of, of, of biblical examples of writers quoting non-biblical writings. Paul, who wrote half of the New Testament in Acts 17, says, For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poet, poets have said, for we are also his offspring. offspring. In that passage, Paul is quoting um, poets, not Old Testament poets, not something that was written from the Old Testament books of poetry, but poets from outside of Scripture. But the truth is, we are his offspring, right? I got to make sure I say this right so you don't misunderstand me. The Bible is truth but all, not all truth is in the Bible. What, what I'm saying is everything that is in, within the Bible is true, right? 
But everything that's in the world that is, that is true is not contained within the Bible. Right? Okay. I'm not saying the Bible's not true, but there's truth that is outside of the Word of God. And so when Paul says that we are his offspring, that is truth. There are many things that are outside of the Bible that, that are true. Listen to John. It says, and there are also many other things that Jesus did, did which is with which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Right? I mean, there's a lot of truth that is not in the Bible. Since we all believe Scripture is inspired, right? It's, it's true. It's the Word of God. It's God-breathed, that it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. We must also believe that God guided Jude and he guided Paul when they included writings in their letters that were outside what is recognized as biblical sources. What that doesn't mean, however, is this, that everything that's contained in these other writings is all true. It doesn't mean that all these other writings should be included in the Bible. Again, I, I say this to say, in your studies, don't get so caught up in a rabbit trail that you spend all your time in these non-biblical texts, nor, th nor should you believe everything that's in those non-biblical texts, because if you do, you're going to spend all your time trying to track down something that you read in the Bible, and in doing so, you might end up missing what's being said in the Bible. So that passage is an odd passage, right? What is it that Jude's trying to teach us in that? To find out what he's trying to teach, let's just stick with what we know. We know there's a battle or an argument that's going on between Michael and Satan. So who's Michael? Well, the passage describes Michael as an archangel. We only see that term one other time in Scripture. It's when Paul mentions it in 1 Thessalonians 4.16 when he, when he says, who the Lord himself would Man, where the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel. Okay, in Daniel, Michael is referred to as one of the chief princes. He's also referred to as the great prince who watches over Israel. In the book of Revelation, we're given a picture of Michael who's fighting against the dragon, which is who? Satan, where he drives him out of heaven. So in this passage, we have Michael, an archangel, who's fighting Satan or arguing with Satan. We have Michael, this archangel, who is obviously one of the greatest angels in all of heaven. He's a powerful, warring angel. But listen, just because Michael is some great, if not the greatest angel, he understood his place. That's what Jude is trying to teach us in this passage. Michael says to Satan, the Lord rebuke you. When Jesus was in the wilderness and he was tempted by Satan, Jesus quoted scripture, and that is exactly what Michael is doing here in this uh, passage. He didn't say, the Lord told me, the Lord gave me some great revelation. He said, the Lord rebuke you. He's, he's quoting a passage out of Zechariah where, where Satan has made accusation against Joshua. So instead of Michael saying, I am big, I am bad, I am the most powerful angel, and I rebuke you, he quotes scripture instead and says, the Lord rebuke you. 
Listen, Michael may be some great angel, but he knew his place. This is something that Jude is saying these false teachers didn't get. These false teachers were, were full of rebellion. They were full of pride. And in referencing this story, Jude was saying, if one of the greatest of all in heaven didn't walk with a prideful spirit, then what makes us think that we can? Don't get trapped in trying to figure out what's the dispute here. Don't get trapped in, in trying to figure out what is going on with Moses' body that you missed the point that he's trying to teach us. The point is simply this. Don't walk in a spirit of pride. That's all he's really saying here. He's saying, listen, Michael, he didn't walk with pride. He went to the word and said the word. May the Lord rebuke you. You need to understand that our authority comes from God. It's not of our own doing. It's God who fights our battles. If we put ourselves up on some great pedestal, all we're really doing is positioning ourselves like Humpty Dumpty, and we all know what happens to him, don't we? We can only overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. What is that testimony? It's that our confidence is in Christ and not in ourselves. It's our hope is in him. It's not in us. If your hope is in you and your strength is in you, then let me tell you this. You're going to find yourself knocked down. Proverbs 16, 18 in the Good News um, Bible says, Pride leads to destruction and arrogance to downfall. Don't walk in rebellion. Don't walk in pride. Finally, in verse 10, he says this. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know. And of whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts, in these things, they corrupt themselves. They speak evil of what they don't know, and what they do not know corrupts them. False teaching is a result of wrong thinking. When you go down a path of wrong thinking, we revert to the flesh and think the way animals think. You see, animals think, but they think like animals. When we begin thinking like animals, we begin living like animals. Wrong thinking also will lead us to what? Wrong speaking, right? Can I tell you everything you think doesn't need to come out of your mouth? Everything you think doesn't need to be posted on social media. <laughs> Pretty sure Paul says to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. How many times have you opened mouth and inserted foot? How many times have you said something that you wish you could take back? Perhaps we should learn to heed the words of Paul. Take every thought captive before you write a post. It's a little harder to do in the moment when you're speaking. But we should have no excuse for writing some of the things that we write. I mean, it's not, it's not thought comes in, words come out. If thought comes in, let me think about this and how I can twist some words around and how I can, can jab and how I can do this and how I can do that. And we think through what we write. 
It may not always look like it, but I'm pretty sure there is some thought that goes in. Maybe before we post things, we ought to ask ourselves, is this Christ-like? What I'm posting right now, does this honor Christ? See, what we say is always going to be influenced by what we know. So we got to be careful where we get information. These false, man, that's right. How many times <laughs> have you seen people post stuff, and it takes like 10 seconds at the most to, to find out if it's true or not? I'm like, come on, people. Please stop posting stuff that is just made up crap. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I'm like, come on, just don't do it. I mean, look, is that true? Oh, no, that's not true. Don't share it. All right, sorry, just a little pet peeve. <laughs> these false teachers were claiming a superiority. They had these these dreams, these revelations. Yet Jude was saying their way of thinking didn't even rise up to basic animal thoughts. Basic animal thoughts which are driven by fleshly instinct. They thought they were all high and mighty and they had this great revelation. And Jude is saying, you ain't got a clue. Your, your, your thoughts are, are basic animal instinct thoughts. These teachers, they, they claimed freedom, but were really prisoners to their own flesh. They were claiming to live for God, all the while living solely for themselves, saying they were free to do whatever they want, led them into bondage of selfish desires. How many of us have been in the same place? We've lived our life with the do-whatever-I-want attitude, and it ended up doing everything we didn't want. Right? It ended with us in chains. We found ourselves in bondage to the things of the flesh that we could not seem to overcome. And I'm here to tell you this morning, Jude is saying this to you. Do not walk in wrong thinking. Don't walk in wrong thinking. The enemy would have you believe that you're always going to be trapped in sin. He would, he would have you believe you're always going to be bound by those chains. I'm here to tell you this today. The only way that that is true is if you're relying on yourself, your own strength, and not on God. I'm here to remind you today, if you're not going to have wrong thinking, you've got to get in the Word. You've got to spend time in the Word. That's the only way that you're going to know what the Word says. It's the only way you're going to know what truth is. Otherwise, you're going to believe every false teaching that comes along. You're going to believe every uh, lie that the enemy tries to whisper in your ear. The Word of God is true, and it says we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We overcome, not by our own strength, not by how smart we are or how smart we're not, not by our own abilities, but by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony which declares my reliance is upon Christ Jesus and Him alone. Only Him. 
if you don't know the word, you're going to fall for false teaching. If you don't know where to start, start in the book of John. It was written so people would believe. It's a great place to start. We've gotten a, just a few short weeks, a Bible engagement project that the AG, the Assembly of God, is rolling out. It's going to be this incredible app with material for, for children, for youth, for adults. It's going to have videos that come out each week. It's going to be a, a, a big picture view of the entire Bible over the next year. And then the next year, it's going to be a little deeper dig into the Bible. And then the next year, it's going to be an even deeper dig into the Bible. And we're going to be rolling that out in the next month. And, and when we do, I want to encourage you, get involved in that. Spend time in the Word. Um, lead a small group to, to where you can get with a few people and walk through this on a, daily, on a daily timetable. Because we need to be in the Word daily. Not just on Sunday when we walk through three verses of Jude. You need to be in the Word every day. If Sunday is the only time you're in the Word, you're not going to know the Word. Wasn't it the Word that Jesus turned to in the wilderness when tempted by Satan? Wasn't it the Word that Michael, the archangel, turned to when arguing with Satan? It was the Word. Shouldn't we do the same? No, we want to say, we, we want to puff ourselves up and say, I got this. And, and we want to, to, to declare our own ability over the enemy. It's not us. It's him. God's grace covers all of our sin, but it doesn't give us the license to continue in it. Any teaching that says, do what you want, when you want, how you want, stands in stark opposition to the word of God. If you hear a teaching that says that, run from it as fast as you can. Listen, today, if you're walking in rebellion, if you have become prideful, or if you have allowed wrong thinking to guide you, you need to understand this. God's grace will cover you. But you got to come to a place of repentance. We want the grace that covers, but oftentimes we don't want to take the, the time to repent. We don't want to turn from our ways. That's why teachings like that that were going on within the early church were so popular. Because they were saying, do what you want, when you want, how you want. It's all covered. Jude says, if that's what you're doing, you're walking a path of destruction. If you refuse to repent, you're saying no to God's authority. And you're saying yes to your own selfish pride. And in doing so, you're going to stay bound in chains. Let me ask you this morning, whether you're here in person or joining us online, where does your life stand today? Are you walking in rebellion? Are you walking in opposition to authority? Has maybe, maybe pride caused you to think more highly of yourself than you ought? Has wrong thinking led you to be controlled by the flesh? 
so. Now is the moment. Now is the moment to return to the truth of Scripture. Now is the moment to say no more. Now is the moment for complete surrender. It's not a time to feel shame. It's not a time for condemnation. But it's a time. It's a time to realize the only true freedom is found in Christ. And now is the moment to stop fighting in your strength and to realize that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives within us. Let's pray. Is every head bowed and every eye?